Oh, hey there, Delilah, and welcome to our fifth podcast. Should I do a drum roll? And there's our intro. I'm Bailey's doing a drum roll, and I think we're good to go. We're back at the Tripad Cast for our fifth one. Uh, this week we're going to be reviewing Leonard Cohen because he recently passed away just a couple weeks ago at the age of 84, 82, sorry. Uh, we're reviewing his, <laughs> we were going to review his first album, Songs of Leonard Cohen, and uh, we're going to talk about some stuff that we've been listening to, things we've been watching, the same old deal that we do each week, and then we'll get into the review and uh, try and honor the legend that was Leonard Cohen, the poet, the musician, the writer, everything that he was, and we're going to talk about it all and try and do him some justice for all everything that he did for the music industry. So I'm here with uh, Luke Morrow and Ryan Bailey. Hey. hey. All right. Arthur Fonsarelli <laughs> over there. That's right. Uh, we got the Fonz. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so we're going to get things going. Uh, Luke, why don't you kick us off in our section of what we've been listening to and watching this week? What's been entertaining you? Oh, gladly. Um, so listening-wise, as we get closer into winter stop at least for most of the country not down here uh and the weather gets colder uh as mentioned before i like to listen to motown it's the perfect time of the year for motown music and it started a little bit this morning uh i was on i was in a hotel room actually and i was listening to a little Smokey robinson this morning so we're getting closer we're not quite there yet the motown will begin soon and so i'll save it for a later episode to get more in depth but one song in particular that i put into our our group chat a couple weeks ago actually is Shotgun by, I've always been confused. I think it's Junior Walker, not J. Maybe it's J.R. Walker. I think it's Junior Walker. Walker Jr. All-Star Band. Shotgun, phenomenal song. It's a well-known song for those who like that type of music. It's one of their most popular ones, and it's a song that I always pictured could be played in the soundtrack of like a 1980s movie with John Candy. Uh, it's a great song. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of it. Uh, yeah, typical. You didn't listen Wait, to you it didn't listen to it? I thought you commented about it. Uh, probably not. Yeah, I, I think, think so. you did. Oh, you listen to it, Bailey? Yeah. It's on the, my Spotify playlist now. Yeah. Oh, on top of the right. other 17,000 songs in the playlist. I was listening to it last night. His Spotify playlist yeah, is basically yeah. just the Spotify music library. Yeah, that's true. It's a great song, though. Shotgun. Listen to it. Junior Walker. JR Shotgun Walker. Wedding. Junior. Shotgun. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's one. Another old song from the 60s that I've been into lately is Houses by Elise Weinberg. Uh, I forgot how I uh, came across that song not too long ago, and it's a good song. 60s, kind of like, I guess like folkish kind of, Um, although not so much like Leonard Cohen, who we'll obviously get into more later on. And then, more recently, because I like to try, if I can, give like something new each week for for those interested to check out uh, as new music. And it's a band, I always thought it was Irritation, but then I realized I was just reading the name wrong, and it's actually, I think, Oration. Eration? I don't know. I-R-A-T-I-O-N. Irration. Uh, the, irration? Yeah. Okay. Irration. Not irritation. That's what I thought it was until... <laughs> Whatever it actually day. is, it's definitely not what you thought it was. <laughs> exactly. But they're a good band. Um, and it's similar to kind of like the Dirty Heads, I guess, though I never really listened to much of their stuff, but just going off of their one hit. Uh, and Pepper, a lesser known band where it's kind of like that reggae, rockish type um but yeah it's good music good summer music beach music island music whatever they're good 
All right. So that's what I've been listening to lately um, to mix it up from the 60s to more recently, just some uh, random songs that I've been listening to quite a bit uh, these last since the last time we discussed and recorded. Uh, Watching-wise, I was actually I was rudely interrupted by you guys to do this, uh, watching my uh, Kevin Can Wait, the Kevin James show. Uh, that show day. looks awful. Uh, it's not that great, but it helps me pass the time. And Kevin James is good. He's classic Kevin James character. The rest of this, the characters and the show is pretty Who else bad. is in it? time he's in it. And nobody well known. He, his brother. He always puts his brother in everything now. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nick DePalma, I think his name is. He's a pretty well known New York uh, comedian. He was in uh, Louis. Um, I don't know what else. You know what new comedian I can't stand? Pete Davidson. I knew you were going to say that. I thought you were a Pete Davidson guy. Uh, No. Huh. Why would you think that? I don't know. Well, you're like an SNL apologist, and uh, I thought you always liked him. I'm not a fan either. No, I don't like him at all. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into SNL, because unfortunately I watched that this past week. Uh, You're way too hard on SNL. (laughs) Yeah, I am. But I think people are too light on it as well, um, letting it ride on its like reputation. It's not going to uh, end. It might as well because it's pretty hideous. No, it's not. There was some good skits this past time. Come on, and like... David S. Pumpkins, a great skit. Oh, I feel like I liked it more David like ten years ago. Have you? Were you ever an SNL guy, Bailey? Not really. Um, but I've like. Maybe like two years ago, when I saw the limited data, when I would take the bus home, um, I, I would watch random like season 35 of SNL or maybe earlier than that, um, just like random episodes. Um, and I seem to like that more than the stuff I've seen now, but maybe it's just because I haven't watched enough of the current SNL seasons. But No, no, no. You, you're correct. <laughs> that stuff is much better. No, it's, it's still pretty okay. Eh, debatable. But... Uh... It's it's crazy though. I kind of wish we were around to see what it was like when it first started out because yeah. like even the ratings in like 77 and 78 are the highest all time. They're never even topped even during like, you know, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, even later on Will Ferrell, all that stuff. All the great seasons they've had since. They've never been able to top the late 70s when it was like appointment television. That was the whole point of it. At the end of your Saturday night, you come home, you watch Saturday Night Live and back then without DVR um, or the ability to record really in any way off of the TV, like people would almost kind of plan, you know, you had to get home to watch SNL on a Saturday night, and, and even though it was your weekend, like your night out, you know, everyone wanted to be around the TV. That's pretty crazy. We don't have anything like that. Maybe sports to a sports certain degree. probably yeah. would be the closest analogy. But like I was saying, I think that probably plays into why the ratings have been down or like why the viewership is down because people don't have to watch it on Saturday night anymore. I can go in on Tuesday and watch whatever website or blog i want to read rate the top skits so i don't have to watch the whole show but that's not the same like if no, it was... i get that it's not the same but people are going to much rather do that than come home on a saturday night to watch mediocre snl okay well i'm glad you at least admit it's it's uh <laughs> mediocre i mean it's but... not stellar but it's not as bad as you make it out to be saying it should just end <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well well, the ratings, they don't count that when people like you watch it on websites, but, but there are ratings that can consider DVR um, for only up to seven days afterwards. How many like people are DVRing SNL? 
I think that's easier than like going on a website on a Tuesday and Ow. finding like, oh, what do they think was the funniest? It's, I find it in three TV, minutes. Right? You fast forward through the commercials. It's it's. You know how I found the, the David as Pumpkins skit? Yeah, on your stupid website. Yeah, exactly. You should check it out. It's a great skit. Tom Hanks is great in it. But all all of that aside. Also, um, I don't know. Under, yes. You, I thought Lin Manuel Miranda's. Um, monologue was great what the guy who Who? wrote hamilton i don't know what this is i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) you told me you hate you said it was terrible you didn't like his monologue whose monologue (laughs) didn't you didn't you say that about so the guy who wrote the musical hamilton hosted lin-manuel miranda hosted when snl like a month ago I don't remember watching this. Oh, never mind. I said I didn't Forget like his it. monologue. Yeah, I thought so. Forget it. Oh no, I don't think I watched that. Well, it was a good monologue. I only I've I got into the I was never huge on SNL. Um, yeah, so you go from the... not being that big a fan <laughs> to hating it. Right, because it's 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 just not because you're good. a jerk. Uh, yeah. Oh, but you'll sit and watch Kevin can wait. <laughs> yeah, uh... because it's only a half hour. Take, well, 22 minutes when you take out the commercials, and uh, it's good to have in the background while I fool around on my computer. SNL is, is um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, it's certainly not funny, for one. It's like, it's like oh painful to watch. No, it's, it's like not. Awkward. We used to sit and watch What's-His-Name for an hour and a half at midnight every week, or every night. Craig Ferguson? Yeah. I would much rather watch Craig Fer- Ferguson than SNL. Michael Che was at a Rangers game I was at recently. Yeah, we know. I didn't tell you that. Did I tell you that? I think so. Not on this. Yeah, you definitely texted yeah, was us. Was he with? Uh, yeah, uh, with. Oh, who was with uh, Fred Savage? Oh, that he was. Um, oh, Ben Sandwich. No, that was. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Saviano. Tom. Was it first name? Tom. It's Paul? pronounced no. Savion Blanc. Savion Blanc. Seven. No. Uh, the guy who played Paul Pfeiffer. They were at the game together. That wasn't the game I was at, but. Okay. Well, that's the one you sent us. Yeah, I don't know about the other one. No, yeah, Michael Che was at the game I was at. I've already lost it. I enjoy the weekend update with Michael Je- Michael Che and uh, Colin Jost. Uh, I know somebody who claimed, uh, a friend of mine, I guess, said that Colin Jost is uh, could maybe the best weekend update anchor in the history of SNL. Okay, he claimed it as like a personal opinion? Yes. Yeah, that's not a claim. Okay, whatever. Anyways, I thought you were gonna um, give me some like Colin Jost is a douchebag. No, but his brother is the head writer for Impractical Jokers. Um, oh, how about that? Yeah, I find it weird yeah, that they the, have a writing team. Yeah, me too. Well, just to help come up with uh, the ideas, I guess. Yeah, I could watch um, them do the same skits every episode. Oh, absolutely. There's some I wish they did more often. But uh, what was I gonna say? I lost my train of thought now. Sorry. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember now. As I said to you off-air earlier, SNL, like, people still have a great, um, I guess, opinion of SNL. I I think for certain people, no matter uh, how poor it may get, they'll always find it humorous. And I think because one is maybe the reputation or, like, what it represents to people, they they don't want to let go. But... uh, also, I think for just for like stand up com- comedy, I'm a, I'm a tough critic for stand up comics or just comedy in general, 
because I, I'm, you have to make me laugh. There's a lot of people that go, when you go see, like, say, Jerry Seinfeld, you're expecting it to be funny from the get-go. You kind of lower your standards. You go in expecting to laugh. That's the whole point of the evening. And then those people are easier to make laugh. I feel I like if I'm going to see Jerry Seinfeld, my standards are high. Well, I, I just used, maybe that was a bad example. I get what, I just, Luke, I get what you're saying. I do. Yeah. Thank you. Makes no sense. I think it's the same thing with SNL. So these people watch it, no matter how bad it is, they'll still laugh because it's SNL. I, I, I felt kind of similar when I, uh, when I saw Aziz Ansari, um, like two years ago at MSG. It's this huge show, like one of my favorite comedians from one of my favorite shows. Like I went in expecting to be, um, you know, to laugh a lot. And I did. It was funny. It was a good, it was a good, uh, good set he had. But I don't know. Yeah, that's why I don't think, that's why I don't think many stand-ups bomb. I mean, obviously it happens, but like the better, and of course they're talented, the better ones. But I think just because a lot of times they have yeah, a, but like what about your audience? I used to, I, okay, maybe it's different live than watching a show on like net like comedy routine on Netflix, whatever I'm trying to say. Um, but like the old Kevin Hart stuff, like original Kevin Hart stuff, I used to just, I will crack up watching that stuff. It's, I think it's hysterical. And then, but his like most more recent ones, I can sit and not laugh at all. Maybe he's, uh, maybe he's relying on that now. He's know. relying on my theory, or you just you've just come around to him and how uh, unfunny he is. Oh, his first stuff is pretty funny. Like before, when, he got, when you like, watch his first stuff now, do you still laugh? Oh yeah. All right. Before he got like mega famous and like really into himself and full of himself. Yeah. yeah. Well, that can change people. Oh, definitely. I think it changed his comedy too. There was also like there was a a point like where he when he was with his wife and like they were still married, they got divorced, I guess, cuz he cheated on her or something. After oh, that, dang. like his entire next stand-up was about like him like the whole like them getting divorced and everything and it was like and now he's got like this new woman that he's married to and I don't know. It's I don't. Know. Hmm. His original stand-up was hysterical. Now it's not. I didn't know that it, that occurred. Yeah. My other thing with SNL, which is really the main reason why I brought it up because it ties into this episode with Leonard Cohen, was uh, as they call the cold open, which I thought was tremendously disgraceful and an embarrassment. When? Oh, this week? To try to write that off as a tribute to Leonard Cohen and have the performer dressed up as Hillary Clinton. And then at the very end, say something along the lines of, like, I'm not giving up. You shouldn't either. That's a disgrace. Yes. Take politics out of it for five minutes and honor someone who passed away for for five minutes. Why does politics have to be a part of that? And that wasn't a tribute to Leonard Cohen. It was a requiem for Hillary Clinton and her lost campaign. It was it was a joke. I agree. I agree with that. I told you when I was watching the highlights from this week that I thought the monologue was or the cold open was terrible. And so did all the reviews that I read. Yeah, that's awful. It's, they passed it off as an attempted tribute. And the only other time, like I said, I'm not an SNL aficionado, but as I read from oh, multiple sources... you sure sound like you're trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> as I read from multiple sources, the only other time they did something like that for the cold open was after 9-11. So you want to compare Hillary losing the debate to 9-11, that too is a disgrace. That's true. You're a, you're a, you're a, a comedy show. Come on. Well... Unfortunately, in today's society, I feel like the election and everything that happened took a big role in a lot of shows, especially like SNL. SNL has always been topical humor and stuff like that going on. Uh, unfortunately, most of the media and 
those shows that we watch as liberal and uh, very liberally biased. So you obviously had a lot of Hillary bias when you like in the past month or so of SNL. Um, not that some of it wasn't funny. I thought Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump was one of the funniest representations of Donald Trump I've ever seen. It made me laugh every time. Anything that he did as Donald Trump made me laugh. Um, I thought Kate McKinnon, Kate McKinnon as Hillary was great too, but I do agree that some of it was too much. Like all the skits, this, this entire episode, the skits were all about the election and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I get that one. I mean, it's the most recent episode after the, the election and, and that's their prime prime time is always the, the politics. Um, right. Yeah. But, uh, Moving forward, it may be a big loss. Alec Baldwin said he, he he refuses to do Trump now on SNL moving forward, so that could be a tough loss for them. Great. If, uh, Trump's going to be the president the next four years to have the inability to, to cash in on that. So Did you guys so see... Um, sorry, real quick side note on that. Did you guys see... Uh, was it one of you guys that posted it about Amy Schumer's response to, like, someone had... Or Barstool had tweeted at her or something. Somebody had tweeted at her saying, like, I thought you were... Here's a list of people that are going to leave the country. And she's like, mm-hmm. she had like some ridiculous retort, like, oh, it was a, it was said in jest on some show out and when I was in London or something like that. It obviously was a joke. Like, uh, she's a joke. They're I all, mean, I don't really like. I, people say stuff, whatever. It's like I don't really care. I, I don't care either. But like <laughs> these, all these celebrities are so adamant about like. We're leaving the country if Trump gets elected and all this stuff and like trying to make a big platform for what they stand for. And then, you know, when it happens, where are they? No, that's true. I think I mean, it's like like we were saying last week, you know, how celebrities and musicians always kind of try to talk about politics. I think, you know, it's good that everybody's like talking about it and everybody has an opinion. But I guess, you know, there's a time and a place. Yeah, Um, I agree. But. Yeah, which is why I love that the NFL is taking a beating because like the players won't come out and voice their opinions on the debate or the uh, presidential election and everything, and like NBA players are. And it's it's because like, it's not their place. Why should it? Why should who cares but what I, Tom Brady has to say? I don't. And why should he do that? Nobody should care. I want to see them go outside on a Sunday and get hit a lot and play football. That's all I want right. to see them do. I don't want to know anything else about them. I don't care about anything else about them. People are writing how the NFL is dropping the ball. It's not their responsibility. I mean, they have nothing to do I with it. I wouldn't go that No one should care far. what they think. No, but none of this, no sport should have to do that. That's not their job. And the difference being the NBA players can do that because their contracts are guaranteed. If an NFL player comes out and says something his organization doesn't like, well, then he's out of a job and out of money, too. So that's why they're not saying anything. But anyways. Anyways. All right, Luke. Uh, that's pretty cool stuff you got listening to. You got a lot of good stuff you're watching. Uh, yeah, you, you sell it really well. <laughs> really All does. Right. I'm just going to stop saying <laughs> anything then. Ryan, what are you listening to? What am I listening to? Um, let's see. Uh, this week, I actually listened to a lot of uh, Luciano Pavarotti. A lot of uh, operas. What, what, my goodness what are you saying my All goodness right, so we're gonna be taking uh resumes for a third host on our show <laughs> you don't appreciate opera uh, uh some of it i was no. listening to ave maria the other day that's my favorite song i mean I, i'm not a huge opera fan i just like luciano Pavarotti's stuff um and there's a lot of his stuff out there um it's probably the only opera singer i really listen, listen to um but yeah he's good i like opera you know once in a while like i was listening to it while i was cooking dinner one night is he one of the three tenors? Yes. Oh, I, I enjoy the, are. the opera episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, that's how I know the name. I never saw that one. 
Oh my gosh. Him, Domingo, and some other guy. Yeah. Um and uh I also I mean I haven't been listening to too much new stuff. I actually came across this this song by Iggy Pop, um Gardenia off his hmm. post pop depression album, which apparently came out this year. Um, so I did some research on uh, Spotify, did some digging, um, and I found like a live version of this. I'm not sure if like it was meant to be a live album. Like I haven't done much re- additional research on it, but it was basically like a similar to the Talking Heads album we listened to in week one, like a live album recorded at one of his performances in London, I think. Um, haven't gotten to check out the full album yet, only a couple songs, but I'm going to check out the rest and I recommend you guys. Take a listen if you're Iggy Pop fans. I'm not sure if you Never are. Never really um, uh, listened to Iggy Pop. Are they they punk, right? Yeah. He was. Yeah, he, they were like one of the originators. Yeah. yeah. Um. Speaking of, speaking of him live, I saw a live concert of his from a couple of years ago, and he's like probably close to seventy now, and he's still performing yeah. with his shirt off. Oh yeah, it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> yeah, just like Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, but he's still in good shape, and he's like fifty. Iggy's like all like saggy and droopy. It's nasty. Does Keith Richards take his shirt off? No, he may like go unbuttoned, but I don't think he takes it off. (laughs) Doesn't go away. Roger Daltrey, I think, still takes his shirt off, but he's in great shape. Um. So, who's your favorite shirtless performer? Why would I have an idea? I have no idea. (laughs) I I never thought about my favorite shirtless performer. (laughs) I don't have a list of uh, those handy, but. I'll get back. Why? Who's yours? I don't have one. I'm kidding. I don't know. Oh, you know. You just don't want to say it now because we don't have them. (laughs) I'm Uh, my favorite shirtless performer. What'd you say? I said I'm my favorite shirtless performer. Yeah. Friday nights in the mirror. (laughs) He's got to get ready for karaoke on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Bailey pictures himself naked, not everyone else when he's on stage. Wait, what What show is that? I think it was like Rocket Power when it was an episode where Sam was like embarrassed that he had to do this uh, speech or something. And he's like, just picture everyone in their underwear. And then like it cuts to him. He's like, oh, I did it backwards. Yeah, I, forget, I know what you're talking under. about. I forget what it is. Oh, uh, great show. I was never a Rocket Power guy. Oh, man. I used to no love way. Rocket Power. Yeah. Right. Mean. Bailey, what else have you been listening to? Um, I came across this song, Woman, Woman, by AWOL Nation, actually off of one of their albums from 2015. Uh, I think it, it's called Run. I'm not a huge AWOL Nation fan. Obviously, I know that one song of theirs, Sale. That's Luke's song. Luke's favorite. Great song. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty that good song. It was all about sophomore year. You love that song. Yeah. That takes me back to NFL Sunday. It was the freaking song they used for House. And so when you were watching the NFL games on Fox, you would see the House commercial 20 times that day, and it was always Sale. But yeah, um, I haven't checked out that full album. I mean, it's pretty old, but I think I'm going to listen to it um, in its entirety just because I really like it. Wait a minute. It. Pretty old? It came out in 2015. It's a year and a half old. March what do you consider Leonard Cohen's album that we're reviewing it's, today? It's old, too. I don't know. Old to relative term. Um, BC. <laughs> yeah, so AWOL Nation Run. I'm going to check out the rest of the album. Um, definitely going to check out more of Iggy Pop. Um and that's pretty much it. Um, like I said before, I haven't been listening to too much new stuff. I've just kind of been listening to the playlist um, lately. And by the playlist, I mean my Spotify playlist. Um, in terms of stuff I've been watching, I really haven't watched anything new other than um, the show. We all know I'm still watching. Uh, 
Did you finish it yet? Nope. I'm on what the, episode are you on? The fifth episode of the final season, so I'm almost there. Wow. Did you get Getting to the whole to the Buscemi end. thing? Yeah. That was towards the end of season five. Uh, I read a good story about that with Buscemi because his character, spoiler alert for those who haven't watched the show that's been off the air for eight years or whatever, but um, his character was supposed to be in the show a lot longer, but then they changed like the storyline without him knowing. Oh my God, then, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, well, you, I think we already ruined this for you anyways. Yeah. So yeah. He, uh, who's the writer? Is it Vincent Chase? Is that his show? Is that his name? I have no idea. Who? The writer? Yeah. The, yeah. Um, like, it like, might be something the, Chase. That sounds familiar. I don't think it... Yeah. Vincent Chase is the character from Entourage. Oh, is that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, whoever it is... Yeah, that's probably it. Vincent Chase. As Buscemi said, you always know your character is going to die when he asks you out to lunch, and that was the case. He called Buscemi up and was like, hey, you want to go get lunch? And then he's like, oh, by the way, we're changing... We rewrote the script. We're killing off your character this episode. Oh, the right... Oh, I thought you meant like in the show they would like say no, no no in real life david chase so, david chase david that's chase it. that's it how many episodes uh, so were yeah, there buscemi was really um, disappointed like five full seasons and like a six a and b season but i think six is actually a full season i don't know why it's on hbo go separated into a and b maybe because it's longer i don't know is there like how up. many episodes a season usually like 13 ish oh geez a lot okay but yeah, so almost done with that, even though obviously I know how it ends. Um, yeah, that's kind of weird. But it's I mean, kind of hard not I, to know how it ends at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah, huge news uh, back then. That was like the first big show that I remember ending. Yeah, then they uh, yeah. they did it on Family Guy, too. They, uh, you know how it ends, but you really don't know how it no, ends. No, yeah, exactly. Like, I know, I know how it ends. I wonder if you're going to be really disappointed don't know or you're going to be ends. okay with it, because I know a lot of people were disappointed, weren't they? Maybe. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That was a big deal. I loved it, but that was because I didn't invest all that time to watch every episode. I just watched here and there, and then I latched on that final season. But, uh, did you I only watch the final pissed. season? Well, my parents watched it. So at that point, I was like old enough or whatever. I'd always be like around. I think it was Sunday nights was on or something. I don't remember. But, uh, so I would just, I just started watching it with them. But before that, like the show ended, I think when we were sophomores in high school. Like yeah. Before I was too young to. So have you seen follow. all the episodes at this point? No, that's why I've always wanted to go back and watch. Oh, them, okay. I've just seen random you gotta episodes go back, through guy. the years, and then I watched yeah that that last season, randomly. So, um, yeah, it's intimidating. There's a lot to get through. Yeah, there really is. I also really like it coming from you know being born and raised in New Jersey. That like that a lot of the locations in which they filmed are very close to where I live and I've been to a lot of places um, that they go to in the show and they actually filmed one episode in my hometown. Um, one of the episodes from the first season, it was supposed to take place in Maine. Um, they filmed it in Northeast New Jersey. Um, so that's always kind of cool. That's kind of why I like it maybe more than the average viewer. Did they film the whole show on, on site there? No, only parts of it. Um, I want to say there's maybe, maybe like 20 minutes of the episode. I, I want to say is actually takes place in my town, but it's still. But like the whole series was the whole series filmed in like the New York, uh, New yeah, Jersey area. Pretty for the most part. I mean, there's a few episodes where they go to like Florida or California, but you know, for the most part, it's in Northeast Jersey. Interesting. So yeah, it's... I, yeah, it's, I always find that pretty cool when you can like wasn't look around in, and see spots. Oh, okay, guy? yeah, I wasn't talking. <laughs> I, I had to listen to you. <laughs> uh, I think he might be. My dad actually saw him once. Um, when he was still alive 
uh, James Gandolfini, when my dad, my dad was working on uh, some building in the city, I think, and he just like walked out. He's like, oh, hey. But Quite an exchange they had there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what the full exchange was. But yeah, that's pretty cool. What are you saying, Ryan? Nothing. I was just saying it's always cool when you like, if you're watching a show or a movie where they film it somewhere around where you live or like your location. Or even music. Hearing music about your area is cool, too. Like, I like listening to Bruce because he talks about my hometown. Right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's always cool. Southside Johnny. Southside Johnny, they're great. I'm going to see a Bruce Springsteen cover band on uh, Thanksgiving, Saturday night after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah? That's how you spend your Thanksgiving? Unbelievable. No, on Saturday night, they're playing at a bar that we all go to. Uh, East Street Shuffle, they're great. Check them out if you don't know them. Sounds like Bruce's backing band. Oh, that's just the East Street band. E Street Band is oh. exceptional. Isn't e Street Shuffle, was that an album? Uh, it was a song. I don't know if it was an album. I don't oh, think it was a an song. Album. Yeah, it's a song. Mm. Great song. I knew it was something. Yeah. Is that all you've been listening to and watching, Ryan? Pretty much. All right. What about you, Ryan? So listening-wise, I dropped Apple Music because I had had enough. I gave it a shot. I got three months free. And, uh, you Cut know. the cord. I figured, yeah, I, you know, I've always been a big time Spotify user, love Spotify, but I'm always looking, you know, interested to check out what else is out there. Figured with three months free, I'd give Apple Music a try. Uh, I was not a fan. Only thing that I liked about it that I think I would miss the most is that I can do the whole like, hey Siri thing and I can tell it to play a song and it'll play a song right from my Apple Music. It'll play anything I ask it to play. Can't do that with Spotify because it doesn't have access to it from my phone or from app mm-hmm. I, from iPhones in general. But library wise, I think Spotify's a little better. Um, my biggest annoyance, and I hate Spotify Radio. Apple Radio was really good, but I couldn't. If I was listening to the radio and I wanted to hear another song after the song that was playing, like add a song to the queue, I had to stop the radio station, put on that other song, and then go back and start the radio station up, which drove me crazy because a lot of times I'm listening to a radio station, I'll hear a song I know, and I'll think of, oh, here's another song I want to listen to, but I don't want to stop listening to the radio. I just want to hear this one song and then have it go right back to the radio, which Spotify you can do seamlessly. Um, Mm -hmm. Apple Music, was it didn't work. It just doesn't do that, and it drove me crazy. That was kind of the last straw. I had enough. Um, Spotify just like the playlist they have. My Discover Weekly. Now I just know I'm coming back after a few months. They the daily mixes they have on Spotify oh, now. Great. I, yeah, can't wait to check those out. But anyway, so like I I got back into my um, Discover Weekly playlist this week, and uh, a couple songs that came out that I haven't listened to in a while. So it's an old X Ambassadors uh, song. I don't know if you guys listen to X Ambassadors at all, but I'm a big fan of them. Obviously, their new album, VHS, uh, has that song, Renegades, which I'm sure you guys may have heard. It's in like a Jeep yep. Jeep commercial, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really, really good song. I like that song a lot. That album's got a lot of really good music on it. But this song was off their uh, old album, uh, Love Songs, Drug Songs, uh, which the title song is great as well, Love Songs, Drug Songs. And I'm drawing a blank on the name of the other song that I was hearing, but it's just it's great to get back to some some old music I haven't listened to in a while. And then another song that I was reintroduced to was a new OAR song. OAR is a new album out, but so it's one of those albums where it's kind of 
a best hits, but it's also got new music on it. Uh, um, yeah, so I'm a big OAR fan, but I'm not a big fan of bands that do that. Incubus did it too, but um, I don't know. But anyway, they have a new song called I Go Through. Really, really good. I like it a lot. And Luke, I'm sure you actually have heard it, or some of it, because when the singer was on Boomer and Carton, he played... Uh, oh. He played the chorus of it, or he played part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then I was, after I heard it on Boomer and Carton, I was really excited to, like, to hear the full song, and I, it turns out I really like it. It's a really good song. I can't wait for the uh, Carton Cubicle Concert. That's Carton right, Carton Cubicle Concert Series. Concert Series with him. I can't think of his name. They say his name all the time, too. Mark Roberts or whatever? It's something like that. Something like that. Um, I'm looking more, have you found any more of them, or is it just that one so far? <laughs> Yeah, no, they haven't released the second one they were talking about that uh like Broadway singer or something. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But uh, I like oh, yeah. I like OIR's uh earlier stuff better than the last. Did you go to the concert with us? I did. I they're you great live. You went were you there, the, Bailey? Yeah. I think we were all there. Perez was really Perez was like jumping around. The lead singer, I think, said something to him. It's like, "Yeah, man." Yeah, something like yeah. that. They were that was when was when was that one? Junior year. It was a rainy day. They played Fool in the that Rain. Was junior year? So that was probably my favorite song. That was the one because what did we go see freshman year? Third Eye Blind. That's who it was. It was packed too. There was a lot of people. Yeah. Then they had like this series of terrible concerts. They had like Kesha. Yeah. Kesha was probably the biggest one though. Probably the biggest at the time. Yeah, of course. The Fray. Yeah, um, I didn't go to that. Which huh. nobody yeah. other than couples went to. <laughs> then there was a uh, Bob Saget who was awful. Well, yeah, but I feel but like I blame the kid in the audience. Yeah, he got heckled the whole time. Yeah. But you know what? That's I kind of blame him for not just moving past it. Like he kept interacting with him. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, I mean, every comedian handles it differently. He decided to turn it into his whole set was trying to make fun of the fans, and some of it was funny. But overall, yeah, it was disappointing. Agreed. Um. Then who else did we have? So we had that, and then I know we had Third Eye Blind. Sam oh, we Adams had Bob, didn't we? Bob as well. Did we had Sam Adams too? Yeah, I didn't go to. The, I didn't go to any of those. Oh yeah, uh, but then um, yeah, then I guess the last one I went to was OAR, and uh, I remember it being like empty, like nobody it went. Was. It was yeah. like half the yeah, we were, basketball we were right floor. up against the stage. Yeah, and it was great. They were so good. Yeah. Third Eye Blind and OAR were the best concerts that we saw there. I feel like there was something. I feel like there was a reason why people weren't there. It's isn't it because they come to some festival in Connecticut every summer and like a lot of people have already seen them. I don't know. That's true. Yeah, they would come to Connecticut. They would come to Hartford every summer. But I I thought there was something like going on, or I forgot what it was. It was was a Sunday night. That might be why. Oh yeah, maybe that was that's a that's a weird yeah weird time to do it. Yeah, I remember. uh, I remember. Levon Helm had just passed away that weekend. I don't know who that is. He was the drummer for the band, and uh, someone had a sign about it. Right. Yeah. I remember they that. They were asking like, or people are, people always shout out songs to play, and they shouted out like I don't know one of the band songs, and uh, the lead singer Mark Roberts, whatever the hell his name is, acknowledged it, and he said like they wouldn't, they weren't going to play anything, but you know they were sorry, or sad to hear that he passed away or whatever. Yada yada yada. Acknowledge the sign, but. Uh, yeah, that's what I remember. I always wonder how him and Carton became friends. I have no idea. He's from, I think, like D.C., so he's not 
Yeah, because he's a Nats fan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they they know everybody somehow. That's true. That was a, I really enjoyed that concert though. I think they were really good live. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so that's all I've been really been listening to, watching though, and I am obsessed with this show. I Maggie and I binged watched it this entire weekend. We watched the whole new se- season, um, Black Mirror, and I know I've told you guys about it before, and it is just it is so good. But, uh, what's it on? It's so it's on Netflix owns all of it now. There's three seasons. Um, season one is three episodes. Season two is four episodes, and season three is six episodes. Weird. Um, Very each weird. episode lives on its own, so they're all essentially stories of themselves. Yeah. Um, the anthology. It's an anthology series, exactly. And the first two seasons were BBC, so Luke's not gonna watch them. <laughs> uh, What's that? <laughs> loving the visuals but i haven't heard a word that he said what's that batch i hate accents um anyway then you could watch season three luke because since netflix picked it up only two of the episodes have like british actors oh i think i've actually oh beautiful i'll just watch the uh the four episodes of the three seasons perfect yeah exactly well you don't have to know you don't have to watch any other episodes you could also watch the winter special with john ham the christmas special season two christmas special with john ham really really good that the show is a look at it's essentially their ideas are of like a near future of a world that we could be heading towards a lot of it is like ideas like the first episode the the world that they portray is a world that is dictated by your rank in essentially social media so everybody who you look mm-hmm. at has a certain rank and like you see their rank every time you look at them and every time you talk to someone you rate them afterwards so it's like you have a rating scale and like everything you do your job your life is determined by what your rating is and how many stars you have and the class that you're in is determined how many stars you have and it's like out of five and what would your ranking be in real life for me probably like a two i don't know out of what what is that out of of five Uh, what would bailey's be like a one a ten Okay. <laughs> that is a fascinating idea though. It's yeah, and then like they like another episode explores like the new world of like virtual reality gaming, but like even more intense than just virtual reality. Um they they do some topics that talk about like what warfare could look like, and I really my favorite episode was the video game one and then this other one about the war because essentially like everyone in the in the show it's like it portrays how the government could possibly control war in the future. Like you have to open your mind up a little bit to some of the technology that they create in the show, but it's not technology that you'd be like, no, that's impossible. Um, which is really cool. They do a very good job. It's incredible writing. The show is just thrilling and riveting. I think, uh, I highly recommend anybody checking it out, especially since Netflix picked it up. Do they get different actors for each episode, for each episode, or is it like the same? Yeah. So, most of the episodes are different actors and actresses. I believe a couple overlap, but for the most part, it's hmm. all different actors and actresses. Actually, all different uh, directors as well, for the most part. That's cool. uh, the show creator and show writer is the same on most of the episodes, but they have a different director. So you guys saw... Did you guys watch 10 Cloverfield Lane? No. Yeah. Dan Trachtenberg, uh, the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane directed the video game episode that I'm talking about called Playtest for Black Mirror in season three. And it's one of my favorite episodes. And I actually listened to a uh, interview with him this morning about it. And 
the guy's really great. He's a, I think he's, I loved 10 Cloverfield Lane. I think he is a very, he has, he's poised to have a very successful career as a director, especially after watching what he did with Black Mirror. Um, and it's really cool. So they actually, so Netflix bought 12 episodes. They just released six. So there's going to be six more at least. And uh, I know they've already signed on. Oh, so another director in the first episode, Nosedive, with the rating system, uh, Rashida Jones, was a co-director mm. oh, no way. in that one. She went to Harvard. She did an incredible job on it. And then uh, I forget who they said they had just signed. They they signed another big-name actress to do the directing for the one of the new episodes coming up. So I don't know. I highly recommend it. I think it's worth checking out. I think it's a cool look into what the future you know, I wouldn't say the future would be or could be, but it's like a, it's an interesting way to see like how these people are predicting or portraying with the future. It's very similar to Twilight Zone. Um, I love the Twilight Zone. Yeah. So you'd really like it. You'd really like it, Ryan. I think you should check it out. And yeah. Luke, I think you should give it a try too. Oh, maybe I will. Even if you sit I there watch... and you're saying, what's that batch? Yeah. I have no idea what's going on, but the visuals <laughs> will blow me away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched a separate Netflix uh, anthology, whatever the hell it is. Uh, Easy. Uh, did not really like it. Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah. I didn't think good I was going to like it. I was. I, the cast was good, um, but just like the preview didn't really make me seem like it was something I'd be super interested in. It was not what I was expecting. I didn't know it was an anthology series, and uh, so that made it kind of weird. Yeah. Um well, Black Mirror does the anthology series very well. I'm also so hey, did you ever check out Westworld, Ryan? Not yet. Yeah, I, I got this weekend I'm going to check it out. My coworker keeps bugging me to to watch it. She's like it's incredible, you have to watch yeah, it. Yeah, this weekend I think I'm going to. So yeah, maybe this the, weekend we'll take a watch. Take the plunge. There's that and uh American Horror Story is almost done. I've been watching that and it's amazing this season. And well, I haven't apparently, even started. There is a season 2 or not season 2, but a Planet Earth 2 is currently airing in BBC in in BBC in England from the BBC and I've also heard that that is amazing if you're interested in the Planet Earth documentaries or anything like that which you know I've heard they're great I'm going to check the first one out cuz I never have yeah they're uh, they're pretty cool yeah I think it's just a cool like you know it's a mellow documentary about the world with Pierce Brosnan Narrating. I don't think it's Pierce Brosnan. I think it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really all I've been listening to and watching these days. Nice. And uh, yeah, so with that, I'm going to wrap up that section and we will get into our album review of Songs of Leonard Cohen by the uh, recently passed Leonard Cohen. The stories of the street are mine. The Spanish voices Suzanne takes you down To her place near the river You can hear the boats go by You can spend the night beside your palm I used to think I was some kind of and um, so Leonard Cohen, uh, he recently died November 7th, 2016. He was 82 years old. I mean, that's a long life. So, you know, the guy, the guy was very accomplished as a, as a musician, as a poet. So he was 33 when he uh, released this album that we're going to review, 
came out in 1967, December. <laughs> Columbia Records released it. Uh, Leonard Cohen was a, Cana- a Canadian. He's a singer, a songwriter, a poet, and a novelist. He was a jack of all trades. The guy could really do it all. And I, I feel like he really took his poetry and just kind of put music behind it and, and sang that. It wasn't much like, there wasn't a ton of choruses, not like a lot of stuff like that. Just a, just took his poetry and he sang it, um, which is similar to like a Bob Dylan type thing. Bob Dylan did very much the same thing um, where you'd have like longer songs that were just like long verses. and But they were very, very meaningful songs. I always think about, uh, what is it? The Times Are A-Changin', which is like 8,000 verses. Yeah. And, uh, like, The the Hurricane by Bob Dylan also has, like, Mm -hmm. 70,000 verses. Um, Similar to, like, and then, like, you look at, like, Leonard Cohen's uh, Hallelujah. Which is one of my favorite songs. Um... In general, I cover that song and I love playing that song on guitar and piano. Uh, What's your favorite version of Hallelujah? So yeah, uh, Leonard Cohen's is obviously it's the original and it's great, but sometimes someone one ups you, and I think Jeff Buckley just took it to another level and really brought a ton of emotion into that song and made it his own. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree, Jeff Buckley. Uh, I'm assuming that's the version I was thinking of originally. Yeah, it definitely was. I listened to Cohen's version, and it didn't quite seem like the one I was um, I had listened to previously. So I assumed it's uh, Buckley's. Yeah. So if you've if you've heard Hallelujah, it's most likely Jeff Buckley's. Uh, when that happens, when you come out with a song, and then someone either like makes it better or gets more fame off of it, are you as the original? Um, writer are you jealous or are you like proud i think how would you how would you it depends on who covers it and how they cover it like if it if it portrays the sentiment that you felt it should have when you wrote it i would say no it wouldn't make me jealous i think a great example and also i guess if you're a real musician and like if you're a true musician you just respect music and if someone takes a song and just makes it that much better i think you should you should respect that you you would respect that and i think a great example is trent reznor um and nine inch nails with their song hurt where johnny cash covered it and trent reznor says he'll never play it in a show again because it's no longer nine inch nails song it's a johnny cash song um yeah because i like that cover better too of how incredible and i mean it's it's incredible cover i mean nine inch nails version is a lot different but johnny cash just took it stripped everything out acoustic guitar and it's just him and his voice and it's it's amazing it's a very very good version of the song it's incredible i've never actually listened to it i will now yeah Um, um i don't know if you've heard either version but the johnny cash version is just truly amazing and I felt yeah. the same way with Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah. Um, you listen to that song, and there's just such raw emotion. You would think Jeff Buckley wrote it with how much emotion he feels through that song and how much emotion he puts out when he sings the song. I mean, in every Hallelujah that he sings, you just you can hear the the voice, like the shaking in the voice and everything, and it's just amazing. But like, you can never discredit Leonard Cohen for the the writer that he was for writing the lyrics of that song and writing the words of that song. And I mean, the song is a beautiful song in itself. Um, and Leonard Cohen obviously 
wrote it and recorded it originally, but sometimes it just gets a little better when someone else takes it and makes it their own. Yeah, I think yeah. one that I was going to mention was um, Bob Dylan's uh, All Along the Watchtower. Obviously, Jimi Hendrix covered it. Um, and I, I I think I like Jimi Hendrix's version more, but I mean, you also got to... I mean, I still listen to the Bob Dylan version as well. Um, I think that's just another example um, of a cover that may be actually better than the original. Yeah, a lot of people have covered that. Uh, I hate Dave Matthews' version. He plays it live all the time. Uh, Dave Mason did a pretty good version. Jimi Hendrix is my favorite as well. And then that Johnny Cash thing reminds me of uh, David Bowie's song, uh, The Man Who Sold the World. And Nirvana covered that. And then after Nirvana covered it and it became a huge hit, Bowie played it at a concert. And a kid said to him after the concert, hey, that was really cool that you played that Nirvana song. And Bowie got pissed. And he said he would never play the song again after that. And he never did. Well, so, okay. That's a little different than I think Trenton (laughs) Reznor was acknowledging how incredible Johnny Cash's version was and saying that he took that song and it's his song now. Like, he made it his own. Trent or uh, David Bowie sounds like he was just being a douche because some kid mixed it up. <laughs> um, uh, rest in peace. Yes. <laughs> um, but two stories actually. After you just said that one, I was at a Counting Crows concert and some. Oh boy. Some, so they went off stage. They were one of the. So they were. It was a. They were good live. I wouldn't go see them again. But. Yeah. <laughs> They like went off stage once, like for an intermission, which is weird when bands do. And I guess coming back back on stage, someone was like, "Hey, can you play She Talks to Angels?" <laughs> and um, Adam Duritz gets up there and he's like, "Hey, we just got a request for uh, one of our favorite songs, She Talks to Angels." And it was really funny because the guitar player started playing it as if they were gonna play the song. Like they were pretty good sports about it. But uh, I mean, That's like cool. I think it probably happens a lot when people do that. But then the other thing is Taylor Swift's album, 1984, was it? 89. That's it, 1989, whatever. Uh, Ryan Adams covered the entire album. Uh, And um, Ryan Adams is an opposite kind of musician as she is. He's an acoustic guitar player. He does a lot of just like low, mellow, low-key songs, despite the fact that when I saw him live, he was wearing a Slayer shirt. Um, Interesting. But I think... I, I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan, but Ryan Adams covers. I love the songs when he plays them. They're so good, and he just did such a good job taking them and making them his own. And I, Taylor Swift like acknowledged like when she, I guess when asked about it, she's like, "Oh well, we were clearly in two different like we were just in two different spaces when we were thinking about how the songs should sound and what we thought the songs would sound." And I think they're both great. And I'm like, "Well, that's because you didn't really write any of the songs that you did." And not that he wrote it, but he's a real musician. Um, and it, yeah. it's just like... Suck it, Taylor Swift. He put like... A, it's like real music behind it. A band, a guitar. And it's just not just like produced in electronic music. So it's... I think it can be reacted to in different ways. Clearly, David Bowie wasn't thrilled. But no. uh, for the most part, I would say if... You, you should be able to acknowledge if a cover is better than yours or if you think it's better than yours. I wouldn't be jealous or, or upset about it. One last story before we get back to the album, because we're getting uh, off base here. Um, <laughs> yeah. In, in line with that Counting Crows story, actually, we heard the story together, Ryan, when we saw uh, Guster at Toads. And before Good Old War played, the, uh, what were they called? The Whalers, I think, was the band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, local band from Connecticut. They dressed up as, like, hockey players. Yeah, that's right. Play, like, goofy music. Yeah. But they're the ones that told this story. 
that I remember uh, that the last time they were at Toad's Place, or one of the one of the like the first times they were at Toad's Place in around like 1990, was to see a band called Big Audio Dynamite, who also went by Bad. It was uh, Mick Jones from The Clash. And the lead singer of this band, The Wailers, kept yelling like Clash songs to play <laughs> for Mick Jones. Uh, and Bad had one one hit. It's actually a really good song. I can't even think of it. I don't remember this story at all. Yeah. And so they kept yelling for Clash songs. And he finally, Mick Jones got pissed and he stopped the concert and yelled like, you know, we're not the effing Clash. And uh, <laughs> walked off the stage. And then that band broke up like <laughs> later that, like a week or two later. That was like one That's of the final That's really shows. funny. And so when the guy told the story, he said he takes credit for ending. Oh, I can't believe I don't remember that, that story. Audio dynamite. Was that uh was that the night we had to race home? Yep. Oh <laughs> God, what a night. I got you home quick. Oh yeah. Um all right, anyway, back to uh oh wait, real quick. Oh my god. Did Hot Shell Ray <laughs> open up for OAR? Yeah. No, they opened up for Third Eye Blind. Third Blind. That's yeah. right before they got big, right? Yeah. Because I remember one summer I'm like, wait a minute. I know this band. Yeah, they had one hit song. They had that one hit song, they right? They didn't play it at our show. I don't. I didn't. No, they didn't. Right? They had it yet? Okay. All right. Anyway, back on track. So yeah. What happens for OAR. You remember? No. Do you? No, I have no idea. I have no idea. Did? Oh yeah. Wow. Usually I'd remember stuff like this. Oh wait. No. No, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Um. All right. Anyway, Leonard Cohen. Uh. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that guy. He started. His first album came out. This is the first album, Songs of Leonard Cohen, came out. He was 33 years old, 1967. From that point on, he went on to record 14 more studio albums uh, with his last studio album coming out this year, I believe, wow. 2016. Uh, he died, I want to say he released the album and died of three or four weeks later. So yeah, Kind of like Bowie. Yeah, very similar. Um but on top of that, he wrote two novels and countless poetry books. The guy was just the guy was incredible. He he was a true artist in what he was doing and his, his lyrics speak for themselves in his poetry and everything. Um so we'll talk about it some more, but I think a big part of this album is uh Marianne who was his, his one of his first lovers. Um and it was kind of his muse for this album. So you have the song So Long, Marianne. And uh, just something really quick to note. So she passed away about five months prior to Leonard Cohen. So recently as well. And I guess he, he so he wrote, he had read a farewell, a farewell letter to her at her funeral. And I wanted to read the end uh, part of it. I don't know if you guys had seen this. But yeah. um, he read this farewell letter at her funeral. And it's, so the, the end of it was... Uh, our bodies are falling apart, and I think I will follow you very soon. Knowing that I am so close behind you that if you stretch out your hand, I think you can reach me. Which I think is just incredibly touching, emotional, and just incredibly in touch with himself, knowing that he didn't have much time left either. And the fact that, what is this, 50 years later, he's still in love with, with Marianne. Like, despite the fact that he had been through other lovers and and other people in his lifetime and written songs about, I'm sure other women that clearly Marianne was something that important to him. And, um, the fact that he, he, he has followed her now as sorry, as sad as this is, <laughs> but he's followed her and he, he, it was incredible to see that he knew he, he knew he was, he knew he was passing as well. He knew his time was coming 
And uh, it was very sentimental for him to, to speak that way at her funeral. Yeah, I heard that on the radio the other night. I actually heard a, I caught a tribute show to Leonard Cohen on my, my ride home. And uh, they mentioned that story, which is pretty crazy. Um, I know. It's really crazy. And it's crazy that, like, it's five months prior to, to Leonard Cohen passing, she passed away. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of times, maybe it wasn't the case here, but um, when people lose loved ones or close to ones like that, uh, it has an effect on them, and they they aren't too far behind themselves. It does there happen. a it terrible happens. story. What's that? No, it does. It happens in older people a lot, yeah. people that have been married for a very long time. Um, yeah, there's a terrible story yeah. of Doug Flutie losing both of his parents in the same day. One passed away from a heart attack. I forgot which one passed away first, his mom maybe. And the father was like so distraught that he had a heart attack later that day. You can die from a broken heart. Yeah. It's so crazy. That was, the ca- that was the case with his parents there. That's crazy. Um, but anyway, on a more uplifting note, so Leonard Cohen taught himself how to play guitar. And uh, formed a originally formed a country folk group called the Buckskin Boys. Buckskin Boys. Ooh, um, I like that name. Yeah, so uh, he taught himself how to play guitar. So obviously he was always a poet, but he was never a musician, really. He taught himself, never took lessons. And uh, he claims that he met a Spanish man who taught him a few cur- chords and how to play flamenco guitar. I don't know if you guys are familiar what flamenco-style guitar is. but I think I am. If but, you've heard any type of Spanish music, you yeah, know exactly what it like is. Like the Gypsy Kings. It's Yeah, so to play it, it's basically like you flick all four of your fingers down the guitar strings at once, and right. it makes a very fast strumming sound. Yeah, I heard that a lot on this album, I think, yeah, or so to an extent. That's something on this album that you hear quite a bit. So it's pretty interesting to hear that he, he taught himself and everything how to play and learned a couple things from a Spaniard. Um, and then just another thing to note is that Leonard Cohen was inducted into both the Canadian Music Hall of Fame and the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, and he's also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's so trifecta. clearly the guy is highly regarded. Um, his music has spanned generations, decades, influenced countless other musicians, I'm sure, and uh, it's it's definitely a sad, sad time to hear his passing, despite the long life that he lived and everything he accomplished in his life. But uh, that's why we're reviewing his first album ever, Songs of Leonard Cohen, and I'd love to hear your guys' take. Luke, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, um, I thought it was a, a good idea to choose this with the, the news of his passing, uh, unfortunately, or maybe maybe it's um, one of the positives that come out of it. But when someone passes away like this, their music always becomes more popular. It's kind of like you don't know what you got till it's gone, and people rediscover their 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 music and everything, and and that kind of happened here for me because I was never a huge Leonard Cohen fan. I knew some of his songs, obviously Hallelujah, as we discussed, um, but I've never listened through a full album, so this was the first opportunity, and I liked the idea to have the opportunity. With that said, well, first a couple things: uh, the fact that he was 33 when this first album came out was a, a little surprising to me because uh, it's a little older, and granted he was doing some other stuff beforehand, but uh, uh, still I was surprised to hear that he was so old when the first album came out. Uh, he was he was considered the um, godfather of gloom, and I think you can kind of yeah, get that. Yeah, definitely get that from the album. <laughs> right away from his first album. Uh, his voice is higher here, and as his career went on, as you would expect when someone gets older, uh, you know, the voice got deeper, but it was also interesting to hear him, especially on like So Long, Mary Ann. Now so long, Mary Ann. 
Hallelujah, uh, almost 20 years later. But uh, that's one of my, that's certainly my favorite uh, Leonard Cohen song, So Long, Marianne, and very well maybe one of my favorite songs uh, ever, or certainly from, from that decade, from the 60s. It's a great song. I also enjoy Suzanne, the first song on the album, and I guess it's to be expected because those were t really like the two big hits from the album, uh, or the two most well-known songs probably from yeah. the album. So I really enjoyed those two. Uh, the final song, one of us cannot be wrong. I liked how it ended, which was a little yeah. like kooky. Um, Very kooky. But it reminded me of something that you would hear today, um, kind of like more like uh, on the indie side. All these years later, it was reminiscent of, of uh, something along those lines. If I'm being honest, and maybe I feel bad saying it with uh, the latest news, but uh, otherwise, not the hugest fan of the album. Uh, I liked, as I said, the first song of each of the side very much. I love those songs. Otherwise, maybe it's something where I have to listen to them, my, my three-listen three, three rule, uh, before I, I really enjoy uh, the other songs. But uh, through the first listen, eh, I could kind of do without those other ones. That's not to say that Leonard Cohen wasn't talented, but this album in particular didn't really uh, hook me from uh, song one through ten. But the interesting thing I will say, which I like about this era and this album... And this style of music reminded me of all the other artists at the time, uh, kind of like Donovan or, or Rodriguez. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's kind of like a guy and his guitar, and I like the simplicity of that. And it's pretty cool when you see the, the list of musicians on the album and how it's pretty much all Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm. uh, no real other instruments other than him and his acoustic guitar. So Long, Marianne had a lot of other things. It's the only song in the entire album with drums. Uh, there was right. a, a backup vocalist, yep. as I'm looking at the listings now, that was on three songs. So Long, Marianne was one of them. A bassist on only two songs, Marianne was one of them. And then you had a group of four different people that participated in the flute, the mandolin, violin, various Middle Eastern instruments, whatever that entails, <laughs> and uh, the best instrument of the whole album, Jew's harp. And uh, that those uh, those instruments were used on one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven of the ten songs, including Marianne. But pretty much, it was just Leonard Cohen playing his guitar, singing his poetry, and that's really cool to me because that's not something that you really get now, um, especially with things tending to be overproduced and such. And and this was very basic, even to the point where you could almost like hear something that I complained about during the presidential debates, but like the the like almost like the smacking of his lips, or like the the noises of his mm. of his mouth in between singing the words uh which for one song in particular i don't remember which kind of actually annoyed me with with how frequent and loud it was but uh but it was good it reminded me to turn it into something maybe kind of negative but uh before all the craziness charles manson recorded uh an album and it, it was reminiscent of this because manson just recorded it on his like home recorder which is him and his guitar um, so, so same idea, uh, and that's pretty cool to me. But like I said, I love the two songs on there that, that I listen to frequently, even without knowing that they were on this particular album. But all in all, uh, it's more towards a mud crutch for me, going back to a previous album than opposed to the stadium arcadium side of the scale. Yeah. All right, Ryan, what'd you think? Um, I mean, I'm definitely in agreement with you guys in terms of, um, yeah, I, I like the album. I, I thought it was interesting 
to give it a listen because I really never heard any of his stuff other than Hallelujah. Um, so I thought it was great to kind of take a listen. Um, like you guys said, he's kind of in the folk genre of the 60s. Obviously drew some parallels to Bob Dylan. And I think Bob Dylan was kind of the only folk artist I really, I mean, listened to. Um, he, he When I think of folk, I think of Bob Dylan. So it was good to listen to someone else who kind of falls under that genre. Um, similar to what you guys said, I, I, it definitely was a darker album. Um, like you said, just a guy on his guitar, I think it was a little more intimate than some of the other ones we listened to. Um, I, um, I also kind of drew some parallels to, um, what's his name? Lou Reed. Yes. Um, he sings Walk on the Wild Mm -hmm. Side. Yeah. Um, and that one song that was in, um, it's like Perfect Day or whatever. I don't know if that's the name of the song, but it was in the... The trailer to Your Next. I don't know if you guys... Do you see that trailer? I don't know if I've seen the trailer. I'm sure I've saw the trailer. The movie's um, great, I though. I know the song. I don't think I've seen but the trailer. But it's a very like dark, dark song. It was also in Trainspotting. Um, so I thought of those two. I thought, that, or I thought of Nick... Or thought of Lou Reed. also thought of Nick Cave. I don't know if you guys listen to any of his stuff. Oh, Nick Cage? No, not Nicholas Cage. <laughs> oh. Um, but, uh, gone in 60 Seconds? Uh, that's a good movie. Was he the national treasure guy? Yes. Yeah. Oh. The same. So you thought Nick Cage was similar to Leonard Cohen? You know, Nicholas Cage is not his real name, actually. He's also bald. He's um I think he's the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola, and he didn't want to be um treated with like he didn't want there to be nepotism when people, you know, when he was interviewing for or auditioning for roles. Um so he changed his name to Nick Cage. I feel like yeah, I just found that out a couple of weeks ago and Bailey mocked me for not knowing. <laughs> I didn't know either, but I feel like if I'm trying to be an actor or an actress, I would 100% percent ride, uh, ride on coattails of family members because it is such a hard industry to get into. I don't care what people say about me. That guy, his his uncle apparently is the only guy I know who pronounces his name like that. Everyone else is Capola. Capola. But not him. Anyways, um, Brian. Yeah, we we digress. Um, but yeah, I agree. It was a very solemn and sobering album to listen to. Obviously, I liked Suzanne. I um, obviously liked um, So Long, Marianne. I liked how, like Luke said, that was the first one to feature drums. I think it was the first one to feature, well, from what I noticed, the first one I featured are backing vocals. But I think Suzanne might have had some backing vocals. Um, fun fact, though, I found out that the vocalist, uh, I think her name was Nancy Preeti, is the mother of Christina Applegate. Huh. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. definitely interesting. A couple other songs from the album. um, Sisters of Mercy. Um, Also, I also like that album as well. Um, I liked how it had a little bit of a handbell to it, um, which is kind of interesting. A little bit of accordion as well. More cowbell. Yeah. A lot of cowbell on that one. Um, and then also uh, Teachers, which was the first album I really noticed the uh, the flamenco guitar. Yeah, um, that that's... is the one where I noticed the flamenco guitar the yeah. most. I met a woman long ago, her hair the black that black can go. Are you a teacher of the heart? Soft, she answered no. Made me think of the Gypsy Kings. Um as Luke was saying um, to the final song, um, one of us cannot be wrong and how there was like that uh, kooky ending with the, which I, which I called incoherent screaming. 
um, <laughs> which kind of reminded me of uh, I'm Gonna Be by the Proclaimers, you know, that da 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 That's what I thought. Of. I don't know about you guys. All right. <laughs> Especially in the, uh, I think Family Guy did like, um, yeah, they ripped that, that off. Peter, <laughs> Peter did something with it's the hilarious. Proclaimers. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's definitely different than, you know, the other albums we've listened to um, for this, but I, I, I enjoyed it just because it was kind of new to me. Um, but overall, it was, I liked it, but it wasn't, wasn't maybe my favorite, but I think it was, I enjoyed it in the fact that I, you know, this was like my first real experience listening to Leonard Cohen. So I thought that was nice. And I also listened to some of his um, stuff from like the 80s, and it was a lot different than this album. Um, it's, it seemed to be a little bit darker and I know Luke was saying like is <laughs> darker than this one I know this album was pretty dark to begin with um, but I listened to one song it was called like we I forget the name of it it was like um, you want it darker and it kind of reminded me of like a song that would be an American Horror Story it was like a hmm. um, kind of like a ominous type dark uh, song but I'm definitely going to check out more of his uh more of his other stuff. Um, like I said before, I really didn't listen to much of his stuff to begin with, um, yeah. but I, th- I thought that was a great opportunity to, you know, honor him by listening to it and really like, and and like you guys were saying, this guy really was an artist, like, you know, a poet, um, a writer. And I, I thought it was great how his lyrics really seemed to be like, you know, right off the pages of his poetry um, and his writing, which I thought was great too. Um, the lyrics were very good. I know like kind of in contrast to talking heads album we listened to in week yeah. one where you know the lyrics didn't make any sense this you know there really was meaning behind it. you can tell yeah you know given his farewell note to marianne like there, there's a lot that went into this and like you know his his heart got poured out in some of those pages yeah definitely um i felt a lot of the same things i'm glad luke said it though because this album was definitely not one of my favorites um don't get me wrong i respect leonard cohen and everything that he did for music and all all the work that he put into his music it just wasn't my cup of tea i thought it was gonna be i picked this album because one i know some leonard i know i knew hallelujah was really the only song i knew but i've always respected him and know he was knew he was a great musician um and also because of his passing i wanted to honor him but yeah, this album just really didn't do it for me. Um, so Long Marianne and Sisters of Mercy were my two favorite songs on the album. I didn't even really like Suzanne. Um, ah, I'm sorry. So Long Marianne is probably by far my favorite. Yeah, So Long oh, Marianne a great song. Was, was definitely my favorite. Uh, it stuck out the most. The whole beginning of the album was just really... Uh, trust me, I respect the fact that he was able to sit down and just kind of record him and his guitar. I think that's great. Um, I just didn't find it too catchy in the beginning and not that it has to be catchy or anything it just didn't have much of a beat it had nothing that really got me going and i don't know the first up until like sisters of mercy or so long marianne whichever one came first i was really struggling to like hang on with this album and then those songs those songs picked up a little bit and uh the second half of the album wasn't as bad uh i just i don't know those two songs really did it for me i definitely wouldn't say like I would have, I don't, this wouldn't, this wouldn't, what's the right word, discourage me from listening to more Leonard Cohen albums. Um, I would have to say, if I had never listened to Leonard Cohen, I probably wouldn't start with this album personally after hearing it. Um, Maybe there's something else that I would have preferred or liked in his more recent catalog. I heard his new album is very good. 
but again, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just not my cup of tea, which is surprising seeing as I, I am really just a singer songwriter myself who just plays the acoustic guitar, but I, I don't know something about it. It's maybe it's too somber for me, which is weird. Cause I like a lot of sad music too. I don't know. Oh, I don't know exactly I, what it is. It just, it didn't. Yeah. I think, I think you're, it was a pretty, that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, definitely a little harder to listen to than some of the other albums. Um, yeah. But again, like I, I, I didn't hate it. Um, it obviously wasn't my favorite, but I thought it was, you know, it was good in the sense of just, you know, listening to a true artist and, you know. That's, um, yeah. So yeah. I definitely liked listening to the lyrics and hearing the poetry. Um, I think I probably would have preferred to just read one of his poetry books, though, because I just. A lot of it is just like, yeah, like sometimes music and poetry don't go together um, where it's best left as poetry. And maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's my opinion. Uh, obviously, I love Hallelujah. It's an incredible song lyrically and musically. Um, so Long Marianne, again, was a great song. Sisters of Mercy uh, was a good song, too. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that because during that uh, tribute show I heard on the radio, it included a clip of an interview with him from, I think, like 15 years ago. And they asked him that same thing because uh, he has so much poetry that he didn't put to music and just left, um, you know, written on a page. And they asked him how he picks which um, poems to set to music and which ones to kind of leave alone. And uh, that's, he said that, you know... Certain ones kind of jump out of the page to him that just tell you that, you know, they belong with music, yada, yada, yada. Others don't. So, uh, yeah, interesting that you, you made that comment. I felt that same way about certain songs on this album. Yeah. that They just it's, they just didn't really sound like songs at times. Yeah, but, that's uh, kind of how I felt. And um, I definitely hear the, the liking to, to uh, I almost said Bruce Springsteen because I'm looking at a Rolling Stone magazine with the cover. Uh, Bob Dylan. has been here for like been there for a long six time. weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, the likening yeah, to Bob read it already, read guy. It. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, there was a good article in the Rolling Stone about Bruce, but um, I definitely hear the likening to Bob Dylan, and I definitely prefer Bob Dylan in my opinion. Bob Dylan just more upbeat. The music's a little faster. Um, By the way, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Bob, I heard that Bob Dylan said his his um, his schedule is too. Um, basically, he 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 declined to accept the. Uh, or to come to accept the Nobel right. Peace Prize. And he said, what did he say? It was like, my schedule is too, uh, it's like, I don't want to say like rambling or like, he, he, it was like some reference to one of his, I, Oh, like his <laughs> actual like calendar. Like he's too no, busy. No, like my, is like my calendar is <laughs> too like, uh, ah, I can't make it. I can't. The times they are changing. It was something like that, <laughs> but it wasn't that exactly. Like it, it's to me when I read that, I was like, wow, it sounds like one of his like, one of it, a lyric from one of his songs. I can't remember what it was. Damn it, He's something like funny. that. Though. What's his problem? Just go accept the award. Seriously, they're giving. They're they're. You got. You didn't even do award. anything for it. They're honoring him. Yeah, just show up. Oh, he's such a douche. I heard one time he was gonna play at a baseball stadium, and <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, did you hear that? Where did I hear that? <laughs> I think Ryan said. In it his once. in his defense, uh, it is in like Sweden, so I don't know. Maybe you don't want to go all the way over there, but. I mean, come on, suck it up. He's he's busy. He'll skip. He's not doing anything. He's like hiding out somewhere. What? I don't know. Anyway, Bob Dylan's a jerk. Should accept his Nobel Peace Prize. Is he really a jerk, or is he just fed up with guys being famous? He just probably fed up. Yeah, probably I both. I just think he doesn't like to be in the public eye. 
Um, he also seems kind of like a jerk. All right. Anyway, this has been a rough year for music. We've lost a lot of uh, highly regarded musicians. Yeah, someone else passed away after Leonard Cohen. Who? Uh, Leon Russell. Who's he? He was involved with, I think, the Rolling Stones. He was well known. Yeah. So we're. Uh, it's been a rough year. We lost. We lose Prince this year. David Bowie. David Bowie. Leonard Cohen. Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry. Leon, Leon Russell. Russell. Um, uh, I'm sure there's others. I'm sure there's a couple more that I'm missing, but I felt it was good to honor Leonard Cohen uh, since we couldn't honor any of the other ones since we hadn't kicked this whole thing off yet. But um, let's do a quick scale of 1 to 10. What do you guys think, uh, Luke? I kind of feel bad saying it, but uh, I may go 4. It does have... Like I said, so long, Marianne. I love that song. So that's 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 keeping the rating a little higher. I guess I'll say four. Uh, I'd go five. I feel bad saying five. Um, I I definitely <laughs> want to listen to some of his newer stuff because from what I listened to on the walk over to our recording studio, I um I listened to some of his newer stuff and I think I like that a little bit more. So I'm definitely gonna check more of that out. Yeah. Um, I feel bad too. It's weird. I know. I wouldn't feel bad if he was still alive, but uh, but I f- yeah. Why is that though? That's weird. I don't know. And it's like I wouldn't feel bad if he had died twenty years ago. Um, yeah, I guess it's just, it's just recent. I feel bad. Yeah. Anyway, I'd play like a three or a four personally. Um, it's definitely no stadium arcadium. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be. That's what we have to compare. Things have to reach that level. That's stadium. Arcadium I mean, that's level. that's like a really good. That's what that's we're personally for. like. That's. That's probably like a good bar for me. I've never you. even listened to it all the way through. Well, you so, are missing Bailey, what out. is your what would you put instead of Stadium Arcadium then? Uh, What's it's, your It's hard because I top album I really that you would compare others to. It's tough because I really never until like we started this whole thing, I've listened to a lot of music, but I've never really like listened to full albums. Like it's never been like, like a regular thing. Once in a while Such I would Such a millennial. What'd you say? Such a millennial. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. I always, I'm, I'm a big fan of listening to, especially new albums when they come out. I like to listen to it front to back. I, I just, now that I have the, the turntable, I'm, I'm definitely more into it. And now that obviously we're doing this every week, I'm, I'm into it a lot more. Um, oh, yeah. So I'll give State Armacadium a, a full listen. You got to listen to it straight through. Oh, yeah. Straight through. I'm just going to plug in, listen to it, and uh, I'll give you guys my feedback next I week. I should pick that up on vinyl. Maybe we'll make that the one to to review, just so we have a. Aren't there like thirty songs? That should be our live review when you're here. Yeah. Ooh, good thinking. Yeah. Um, Because that that would be that's such oh man yeah there's like thirty songs and I love every single one of them. Every week's a live review. So good, and I'm not even a big fan of like most of the other Chili Peppers like albums. I wouldn't go and listen to them all the way through. But Stadium Arcadium, I still go back. I remember getting that album when it first came out when I was in. What would that come out? We were like, were we in high school or middle Stadium school? Stadium Arcadium. Yeah, we yeah, were, freshman we were year. talking about it last week. It I know, two thousand six. Yeah, so, so yeah, the end of freshman year, just freshman year into high school. school. Um, yeah. I remember getting the album, and man, I loved it. I really like their cover of um, the Stevie Wonder song, their Red Hot Chili Peppers cover of Higher Ground. Yeah, that's a really good cover. Great cover. Um, yeah, that's a good cover. <laughs> all right uh so i'm gonna wrap this one up 
Uh, again, we did Leonard Cohen in honor of his recent passing. Songs of Leonard Cohen from what was it, 1967? Uh, and we all gave our great year. You no, know, we weren't all great thrilled year. by it. I remember it vividly. Oh. I would definitely say I would go back and listen to other Leonard Cohen just to hear yes. if maybe there's more that I would like. Uh, again, I know I will. Highly respected, highly regarded musician. But anyway, uh, thanks guys again for joining me this week. Uh, we are the Tri Podcast. Check us out. Tripod. I'm ready to go now that I have clean. Oh, now water. that Bailey's back, we can what stop our mean? conversation and do everything that he wants to do. Do you guys drink uh, the tap water? Oh yeah, all the time. Uh, Regular I mean, tap water. Yeah, use like a Brita filter, but it's really? if there's, I mean, if it's if it's convenient to get filtered water, I'll use the filtered water. Mm-hmm. But if it's not convenient, I'll drink the tap. I don't care. Is it fine in New York City? Is the tap water Yeah, they fine? say New York City has the cleanest, well, some of the cleanest tap water in the country. Really? Comes right off the glacier. It comes right off like the uh, snow and like the mountains or something like that. I always, um, uh, how does that for work? Reason, I don't know. They have I pipes it, coming from Nova once. Scotia. Not Nova Scotia, from like upstate New York. The glaciers in upstate New York? No, they're no. Gla- I don't the pipes know. Pipes run all the way from. Listen, it's yeah. got some of the cleanest tap water in the country. There was uh, these guys, you guys probably have heard about it, I probably even mentioned it before, who just took tap water and bottled it and then sold it to stores, and it's called New York Tap, hmm. or NY Tap. Yeah, it's just as clean as uh, filtered water. Might have heard of it. But that's such a simple idea. I mean, you guys could do that. Call it Hobo, hobo Tap. Tripod cast water? Yeah. We're going to call it Hobo Tap. Tripod quench? We're going to get into the bottled water industry. <laughs> <laughs>